welcome to the Dance School Startup mini podcast, bringing you bite-sized advice each week to help you at the start of your dance school's journey. My name's Laura Gillam and I've been a dance teacher for over 20 years and a school owner for over 14 years. I'm so excited to support you on your journey and I look forward to getting to know you more in the Dance School Startup Facebook group. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, sit down and enjoy today's episode. Good morning everybody, happy Friday. I hope you are all well and have had a productive week. I'm very excited to be here today because I'm not alone. I actually have a guest. I'm absolutely thrilled because it's the first ever guest that we've had on the podcast. Uh, We've uh, recorded this interview on Zoom, so my apologies in advance for the sound quality not being the best. Uh, But what you're going to listen to today is a wonderful interview with a lovely lady, a very well-respected teacher, dance school owner and the ex-chairman of the ISTD Modern Faculty, Myra Tiffin. Welcome. Hello. Hello everyone as well and it's really nice to be able to chat to you and um, hopefully give some advice or not as the case may be. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what, everyone's so excited. I put a little post out in the Facebook group um, and it got lots of hearts. I'll try and be as helpful as possible and obviously if there's any questions that come up as you go along or anybody wants to put any questions into the boxes or whatever then by all means we'll try and sort things out for them. Yeah absolutely, sounds fantastic. Now why don't we start by you just introducing a bit about yourselves, tell us your story. Well okay so um, I've been the principal of MTPAS, Myra Tiffin Performing Arts School, since 1999. I have been teaching since 1978. I've been teaching, I suppose that works out about 43 years now. Um, and MTPAS is in a very old Victorian school. It's a 200 year old school. It's a beautiful place and we are very, very lucky to have our own building. We've got three studio spaces that we work in. Two are very large. One is a slightly smaller space. And we also have a little gym, which um, Sam has converted so that he can do his his lessons and, sh- and sessions in the gym. Brilliant. So it's all within our own building. And we tend to work 60 plus classes a week when we're there. Wow. And we have nine faculty members. I, I, I'm I, not there on my own. No way. Um, I've never, ever been on my own, I have to say. I've done a lot on my own. But um, over the years, it's it's better to have people there that know their their genre, you know, so you know, let them do it. Um, I, so, so therefore, I suppose, having been a studio owner from, of this Victorian school for about 22 years, I was in show business. I graduated. I went to Bush Davis, um, started started as a little one, then went to Bush Davis, was head girl at Bush Davis, two years, um, left Bush Davis and went straight into business, into the show business, was lucky enough to join Dougie Squire's second generation. Pantomime summer seasons and bless him, Dougie is still in contact with us all. It's lovely. Oh, um, so I, did, I did about four or five years in the business. Um, and then came back into the sort of the teaching and examining, uh, became an examiner. I've been an examiner for about 36 years. So um, I examined from the little ones right up to fellowships and internationally. So it's it's quite a, a quite a busy, busy, busy person. What age were you when you made the decision to open your school? And then what, what pushed you to make that leap? I can't really put an age on when I started, when I, when I opened the school. I started teaching um, even before I'd left college. I sort of went back into sort of the person that I'd been trained by before I went to Bush. I'd always been interested in choreography and I'd always been interested in sort of doing a class, not necessarily a syllabus class, but a class and perhaps sort of going, well, look, I'm, I'm in the business and this is what's happening now. So let's do a little bit of this and let's do a little bit of that. Well, I was always sort of interested in it. Then um, uh, we got engaged, Roger and I got engaged and I still stayed in the business and we still I still went around the places and used to come with me or if you could, he would stand in the stage door, backstage, wherever it was. Um, and then it got to the point where we were going to get married and people in the area started saying, oh, are you coming back to teach? Are you giving up the business? And actually, I did in the end decide to give up the business um, into teaching and taught 
little village halls. Um, I taught for the person that had trained me originally, and I, you know, and then I opened little branches everywhere. I did everything basically. You know, you taught in the village hall, you taught in the community center right. with the carpet on the floor. <laughs> you did whatever there was going to gain experience. Um, I then went into partnership, um, but like everything, business partnerships don't last forever. The Victorian building that we were in, we were renting. Um, we were rent renting one room and two little changing areas. It came up for sale. And I suppose my husband was the one. He pushed and he said, let's go for it. And I went, really? I wasn't that brave. <laughs> he said, no, let's go for it. So um, in the end, the, partner the business partnership, we ceased. That finished. Um, and I pushed, well, he pushed and I pushed forward with the Moriton Performing Arts School. So I suppose about 1998, we kind of took over the building and that's when MTPAS started to build. Yeah, wow. That is just so awesome. And, and obviously, as soon as you've got your own premises, it just opens up a whole new ball game for you, doesn't it? You've just got so much more control. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the lovely thing about it. And, you know, I, I don't um, I don't sort of want to be big headed here. But when you do have your own premises, you can do what you want when you want. You haven't got to. And I do feel for some people that, you know, want to put a workshop on and then go, ah, hang on, we've got to find out if we can have a studio. And then how much is it? I mean, I've been there, worn that T-shirt, and, you know, you've got the caretaker jangling the keys exactly on the <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can remember teaching a little tap class in a in a rented accommodation of which was also shared by the whist drive ladies. Um, I was busy doing pick-up steps backwards, and I literally walked into their whist table. <laughs> I hadn't seen them come into the building because I was tapping, and I went, oh, and she went, well, we have a we have a whist meeting at whatever time it was, and we've still got 10 minutes to go. But no, they were going to set up. So, you know, it's not an enviable thing. And if no. you've only got four hours in a village hall, you've got to fit in what you can. Whereas Absolutely. I can go, okay, the studio, and, you know, my, no, I will say, not obviously at the moment, but I will say to students, if you want a space, if you want to rehearse, just let me know, I can open the studio. So they have the joy of being able to do that as well. But it, you know, it's not easy when you're starting up in a village hall or in a community centre or anywhere really that's yeah. not yours. No, and I think you know, obviously, a lot of the listeners today are going to relate to that because they're at the start of their journey. And um, at the moment, in the group, there's a lot of panic with what's going on in the world at the moment. They're finding it really difficult because they're not getting answers from their halls as to when they can reopen, or if they can reopen, then um, when that's going to be and what times they're going to be allowed. And yeah. they're kind of just, you know, completely at a loose end. They're, they're running round and round in circles. And it's it's such a difficult time for them. So I, I think we can both, because I'm like yourself, I've got my own premises. So I think we can both really sympathise with how they're feeling at the moment. Absolutely. I do feel sorry for them because, you know, the, the best way in the world, we all want to open. But in fairness to all of us, it's not fair to say, right, you've got your own studio. You can start your classes when... You haven't got your own studio, so you can't go in. And that it's either got to be all of us together or none of us, basically. Um, yeah. And that's hard for all of us because we all want to be back. I mean, basically, why we're why are we dance teachers? Because we're passionate about what we do. Absolutely. And by being passionate, we just want to get back in. I mean, you know, if it means putting a board down on a field, we'll dance on a board <laughs> in a field. You know, that's what we would Fins do. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, maybe done before, uh, you know, maybe in my garden in a little while as well if we can't get into the studios. But you've you just got to be, um, yeah, we, we, we've got to be positive and we are on the way out, I think. We're, we, we're, getting, we're going to get back there. Um, yeah, and, I agree. And, and kids will want it. They will want this. They will want to come back. And I think that's a really important point because I, there was a question the other day about one of our ladies was asking, you know, if I'm not opening straight away am I going to miss out on students who's a brand new school and uh, one of the things that I was saying which I think is what you're going to say as well is there's always going to be children that want to dance there's plenty to go around it doesn't matter how many dancers there are I mean the world is big enough for all of us absolutely we can all share what we do and um you know from like basically Rosina as well with the collaboration that she has built up if you collaborate with each other, you actually get on a lot better because we can all share each other. But there are so many children around and so many kids that will be desperate to do something. And I think parents that will be desperate to let them go and do something. 
<laughs> they've done their schooling now they've done that um, the other the other plus thing i think as well is because we've all been teaching on zoom and we all know it you know oh your class is at 4 15 so they drop them off at 4 10 and they disappear off and do their family shop or whatever go to the gym come yeah. back pick them up maybe don't even have the time not through um not not interested but just because they're we're all leading busy lives not even to say what have you done today so actually we've had a lot of parents or even grandparents that have been sitting in on the zoom calls especially the Hi. little ones going wow is this what actually happens in class you know i mean yeah obviously not around the you know the, the fridge and the dog and the cat and the baby sister that's trying to feed you the lego blocks but it's just a case of it's possibly opened a lot of parents eyes as to what does happen in a studio quite grateful and, and have actually seen how patient we have to be with a lot of children yes absolutely and there's i mean everyone's talking about how everyone's taking their hats off to teachers after having to homeschool their kids yes a similar exactly. thing isn't it suddenly yes. they realize what we're dealing with every day and i think as well you know the natural instinct of a dance teacher i i hope is that we're all disciplined mm -hmm. because without the discipline uh, no child's got a boundary if you don't have a boundary a child doesn't know what it's doing so the discipline comes across even in a zoom call if you're if you're a teacher that's teaching as you want to your your discipline is going to come across so i don't teach many of the zoom classes because obviously my faculty do it but i like to log in and just say hello to the a to the faculty and b see the kids but if i'm watching and obviously while you're busy trying to teach and you're trying to teach them and look at the little boxes you can't see everything but if i'm watching and i see something that maybe the child is is disinterested or you know is not really paying attention i would just write a polite email to the parents and say you know I, you know having watched the class i'm just a little bit concerned blah 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 usually the parent well always the parent comes back and says thank you because mm -hmm. at the end of the day that parent's paying for something right you know the last thing you want is to go six weeks down the line and then a parent suddenly come in at the end of term and go well why isn't my child why doesn't my child know anything well, because, you know, well, actually, we've noticed it's not really interesting. Why haven't you told me? So those sort of things, you've got to be, you've got to be in touch with your parents all the while. And you don't have to write it nastily. You just have to write it in a way that the parent will go, okay, this is for real. This means, and, you know, and they'll usually say, I'll have a chat with the, with the child. And within 24 hours, the child's back in class the next day. And it's totally, you know, completely different child. Absolutely. If you get it to FESTA, a little bit like what we're in at the moment if you leave the virus to move on it gets bigger and bigger so your problem gets bigger and bigger and then and then you've got a and then you may have a parent that says well she's not coming anymore yeah. whereas if you nip it in the bud it's not that the child's not interested it may be that perhaps that child's not had a very good day at school or maybe in the background which we can't see especially on a zoom class baby brother's having a lovely ice cream that child doesn't want to do a dance class if she could have an ice cream <laughs> we don't see that though but you've got to find it out to work, work out what your problem is absolutely and so what you're saying there is that you know don't be afraid to communicate with your parents don't be afraid to you know speak to them about problems and, and just hope that they'll go away because ultimately it's best to communicate absolutely i think you've got to be um the, the person that as a principal of a, of a performing arts school or a dance school or drama club or whatever you're doing you've got to know your students um you've got to know without being sort of um personally involved you need to know what there possibly is in the, is in, in the background of a student. But let's face it, I, I, you know, anybody can come in and you can think, what's the matter with that child today? Or, okay, so that teenager's having a bit of a strop today. But if you kind of know a little bit about them, you perhaps know not only physically what they're capable of, but you also need to know their mentalities as well. And by communicating and, and just saying, okay, let's have a little chat or, I'm going to email mum or, you know, I just need to, you need to keep on top of it. It needs to be translucent. You've got to be able to converse. However, when you start conversing with the parent, firstly, you've got to have all your facts. It's no good going, well, my, my friend said this to me. You've got to find out why that friend maybe said it or did it say it because Chinese whispers are dreadful, aren't they? You know, we can get, 
or you know you'll get something and you think hang on a minute i need to find this out i has has a member of staff also seen this or have not witnessed that or i've not i'm not seeing that so find out your facts but also then when you speak to the parent you've also got to have your details right you've got to know where you, whether you're, what you're quoting is right or wrong. It's no good going, oh, blah, 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 blah. And then actually the parent turned around and saying, well, actually that's not right because then you've got egg on your face. Yeah. You, you've really got to do your homework and you've got to sit down and you've got to think, how am I going to approach this? And, and you've got to stand your ground, haven't you? You've got to be yes. a, pull up your big girl yeah. pants and do it because yeah, exactly. that confrontation is difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it is difficult, and and if you stamp it out, um, and if you know your rights, and also you, if you've got your qualifications, then would you go to a dentist, and a dentist say to you, okay, you need that filling, and then you turn around to the dentist and you say, no, I don't need a filling. So you know, you wouldn't question it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't question it. So, and in the best will in the world, some all parents want what they, the best for their child, or what they're doing. Um, and you've got to be aware of the fact that if a parent comes to you and says, I want my child to take their dance exam, and you really don't feel that they should take their dance exam, and that could be for a number of reasons, and it's not necessarily for the reason that they're not ready technically, it might be they're not ready mentally. You know, if you've had a little girl that's come into class or a little boy that's come into class and has been very, very shy and possibly come to you because they are shy, Therefore, you've got to build their confidence. Now, building their confidence doesn't necessarily mean building their confidence and shoving them into an exam with a lady or a gentleman that they've never met before into a situation they've never done before and something that they're really not happy to do. So therefore, you've got to explain that to the parent. The parent will possibly watch at the end of term and go, oh, they're all doing the same thing. I mean, I had one years and years ago and I wasn't, I was an examiner, but you know, I wasn't that experienced. Um, end of term, all the parents came in to watch. All the children were doing the steps, and let's face it, they were all going the same way at the same time, but they were all at different levels physically, um, mentally. You know, there were various levels, as there is in all classes. And this one little girl had come to us and was frightened of her own shadow when she first started. So we'd managed to get her into a class, enjoying the class, actually dancing with a group of parents watching her as well. Now, some of them were going to be taking their exam and some weren't. And obviously this child wasn't because she wasn't mentally ready. It would have destroyed her. Therefore, what's the point? We've built all built her up. I mean, are we a dance teacher to teach them to dance and gain confidence? Or are we a dance teacher to put them in for an exam? That's where you have to work out. And um, to me, they, they pay their fees to learn to sing, dance and act and gain confidence. So... Everybody went home and I had a phone call from this particular mother that said, um, my child's as good as everybody else in the class. And she went on and on and on about the fact that she hadn't been put in for an exam. And I just listened and I then said to her, well, I'm awfully sorry, I didn't realize she was a qualified dance teacher. Um, and she said, I'm not. End of subject. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can massively relate. I've had a few of those conversations over the years and I've, I've always answered with the same response and my my response Myra is with all due respect you're looking at them through a mother's eyes and I'm looking yeah. at them dance teacher's yeah. eyes yeah and and you know every dance school as we said earlier on there's enough children to go around there's enough dance schools to go around Absolutely. there are enough schools offering enough different things and maybe what I'm offering is not suitable for what that mother wants that child to do so in the best will in the world there are so many other dance schools, you could go and find one that is more suitable for your child because if your child is not happy or you're not happy with us, that's not a working relationship. That's not gonna work for anybody. And that's just gonna fester in the school and we, we don't want that. We, I, don't, I can't work under an atmosphere. So I don't like an atmosphere. Um, I like to be able to have a happy, friendly dancing school that's a family-run dancing school I wouldn't say I'm particularly personal with everybody because I think there is a discipline that has to be had and a discipline has to be there from the minute they walk into the door, the minute they leave. It's not just in the dance studio, it's everywhere. It's got to be there for everybody. And then you have a very happy environment, whether you're in your own building or you're in a, a community centre, 
the environment is there and the camaraderie is there as well camaraderie there we go yeah yeah no, I, I absolutely agree and we haven't talked about um in the group too much yet about the transition from being a dance teacher the dance principle, which I think is a very big transition, and there's a lot of differences there. Uh, but I think you're touching on it uh, in the sense that what you're saying is, you know, there does have to be a little bit of a distance um, between you and the students and um, the parents on that professional level. You can't be best friends with everybody because you won't be, you know, people won't respect you as much as they need to in this situation. Being the principal of a dance school, what's the advantages? Well. I suppose you're your own boss. I think most dance teachers, we're control freaks. <laughs> you know, we have to be in command. It's the way we are. Um, and so therefore you are your own boss. But obviously with your own boss comes the whole sort of responsibility. And it is a huge responsibility because if it goes pear-shaped, it's your problem. Um, but you've... It, with responsibility, you've got to be able to take on the challenges that it sends for you. Um, and the responsibility has to be something where you can make a decision. Rightly or wrongly, it's no good going, oh, yeah, well, um, now think about that. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, well, maybe we could, well, maybe we, and you just, um, and ah. you have to make the decision because you have to move on. And I have to say, while I was training at Bush Davis, when I became head girl, now I'm going back to 1973, 74, so a long, long while ago, when there were not these rules and regs around us to, you know, you've got to have a, a 19, 20 year old that's got a DBS check and this, that and the other to look after child. So I was head girl and we had boarders at the school. They were, it was a boarding school and they started with us from the age of about eight, nine. When the principals left their offices that, six seven o'clock of an evening the school was then my responsibility so i i was responsible for all of those children uh, or i had this group of prefects it was you know have a rotor you're, you're going to junior dorm you 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 you're washing their hairs you're washing that your bath you, you know, it was it was responsibility you made the list up to who was going to church you made a list up who was going on the bus in the town you did a, but that responsibility at, and i was um eight, 17 18 gave me the confidence to be able to take on responsibility and go, okay, this is happening, this shouldn't happen, we need to sort it out quick, let's do it. Make decisions, take on, take on that responsibility. And as a principal, you have to do that because it's going to come back on you regardless of whose fault it was. And if you've made a decision and it's wrong, own up to it, say, really sorry, I did it, my fault, let's sort it out. Be responsible for that. That way you'll then get respect and as a principal you need to respect your teaching staff mm -hmm. don't expect them to do something that you wouldn't ever do yourself that's good advice that's very good yeah. advice. you know because if you can't do it why should you expect somebody else to do it don't give them the dirty work you know if it's a case of right the studio floor's now got to be cleaned as it, as it is at the moment we've got to go in and wash wash it don't expect them to wash they expect them to do it as well don't you know don't take on everything but if you're going to put a rotor in to clean the floor put yourself in that rotor absolutely as well. leave from the front <laughs> yeah you know you yeah exactly leave from the front you've got to be the one that they follow but you you then get all of the, the achievements as well and and the, the rewards you know you get you reap you reap it all you know it's it's, it's absolutely just, oh, that actually um takes us into the next question, which is what's, what's your favourite part of being a school owner? And I, I think you're probably going to go with the rewards because I think everybody probably feels this. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's the challenges that you have to face and then it's the hurdle you perhaps need to get over. But then you've got the achievements and you've got the rewards and just literally seeing those kids. And and sometimes it's the journey that you see with a child. And, you you know, a child will come, as I said earlier on, maybe because it's shy because it's been bullied or it needs it all sorts of things or you know it, it's first years in life weren't particularly happy for it and then suddenly you manage to get it ready to do something and it goes on stage and it performs or it actually takes an exam that's a huge achievement and it's that journey that you see them make and then you see their little faces afterwards um the journey that everybody has to make isn't it it's life experiences 
And the sooner they start gaining life experiences, the better it is for everybody. How lovely is it that we're able to uh, to to provide those experiences yes. that you're going to remember for a lifetime, just like we do. Absolutely, and I mean, you know, I've you know, that's one of the things about us. We we have a, a showcase every year. I mean, some people say we must be mad. Yeah, probably am. But then I'm a dance teacher, so I'm probably mad anyway. But we do do a showcase every year. And obviously, last year, we were two weeks before we were about to go into the theatre. Everything was ready. And obviously, we locked down. At the moment, we're prepping for one on Zoom so we can get back in with it. But the the thing we do at the end of the each year is we have our graduates. So most of our students will stay with us until they're 18, which is lovely. And then they don't all graduate into full-time vocational colleges. Some of them go to universities, some of them become lawyers, some of them don't. It's lovely just to see that they still have that dance training because dance training, the discipline takes you into all sorts of walks of life. So they come, they have their graduation, they have their plaques at the end of the year, they go and everything, but they always come back they're always back you know they come back from university it's have you got a class can we come to it yeah it's so lovely to see their grads and like this year because obviously we want to get into a theater and we want to have the same group of people chaperoning because of rules and regs will say you've got to look after the consistent our grads are all ready to come back they're all you know saying we'll come we'll come we'll come and it's just lovely you can go and have a social evening with your grads you know afterwards it's lovely to be able to do that Absolutely. So, well, one of my graduates is actually a teacher for me full time now. And I saw her when she was eight. And then she left mm -hmm. me at 17, went to college, did dance college, came back. She's now 25 and she's worked for me ever since. And it's just lovely to have that relationship with them. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like with our grads, when we say, can you run the show backstage? They know because they know what we had to do with them and they know exactly what it is. And there's no nonsense with them and everybody looks up to them. And then you get that lovely sort of, we want to be like that yeah. from the little ones, you know, they just love it. There's, I suppose there's lots of ups and downs, um, you know, no life is, is going to be easy, mm. but um, there's lots of rewards, lots of rewards. So, okay, let's ask what your least favourite part is. That's a really difficult question. And when I, when I um, looked at what the sort of the topics you were talking about, I can't really answer that. I suppose, not being able to solve something immediately. So I'm one of these people that um, I suppose to take after my dad, and I think Rosina's also takes after <laughs> takes after him as well in that respect. Um, if you've got something to do, do it. Um, you know, going back to my my dad, who would lend his hand to anything. While we were busy thinking, Mum and I were busy thinking about how we might do it. He'd done it. It right. finished. It finished. Um, now, rightly or wrongly, sometimes when you jump into something very quickly, you don't always think it through correctly, um, and therefore you might have made a slight mistake. But I think I think it's frustrating if you can't get get something done. And my biggest bugbear is I'm not computer literate really. Uh, IT, I can work a laptop and I can do Zoom and I can do a lot of things, but I don't know the shortcuts. And sometimes I have to go, Sam, Rosina. How do I do this? And then you think, oh, it's so easy, but you know. And therefore, I suppose that's the worst things about being a studio owner. But on the whole, the the pros weigh out the cons so many, so much better. Yeah. And I, I've always said the day that I don't want to go into the studio and open the studio door is the day that I have to close. Absolutely. A job that you can do full out if you're not fully committed. Absolutely not. No, you can't half-heartedly do it. You, you've got to, if you're going to do it, commit to it and get on with it. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Own up to it, sort it out. But don't go in with the fact that, oh, God, I've had a bit of a bad day today. Um, that's not the children's fault. That's not the parents' fault. And, and if something goes wrong, you don't bring up your personal problem. That's not their problem. That That's not a professional way of doing it. The professional way is, Okay, so that has happened, but that's nothing to do with them. So I'm now going to open my studio, teach my class. I'll solve my personal problem when I get home. And you know that you know that's that's the whole thing about showbiz, isn't it? You know that's why people go to the theatre, even to watch. They go to escape. They've paid their fees. Their class is at such and such a time. You make sure you're there. 
And I think I think as a, a principle as well, you know, going back to the fact that I said you don't give your don't expect your staff to do something you couldn't do. I think you also whilst you don't want to be there twenty four seven because obviously that would just you know blow your mind. You do have to have a life outside. Um, you've also got to be aware that if something is unfortunately not happening, you need to be able to jump in and go there. So like. You know, the other day I had a um, a teacher whose grandmother had had a, fall, a bad fall and they found her. She'd been on the floor all night, basically. So she'd got so she said, I really can't do the, the class. And I just said, that's fine. We'll sort it. And you do it. You just open the you open the Zoom call and you take it yourself, whether it's a singing class, a drama class or whatever class it is. Or, even, you know, or even when you're in the studio, you have to be there because. The last thing you want to be doing is is saying to children who have turned up, sorry, your class is not happening today, yeah. or ringing parents and saying, can't do your class today because because that's not good policy. You know, I, I I and you've got to keep yourself fit and well to do that because otherwise, if you're poorly, then you're not going to be able to do anything anyway. Mm-hmm. You've got to sort of get there and do. <laughs> yeah, you've got to look after yourself so that you can keep the up, keep it going, keep the stamina up. So, Myra, what, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given by someone relating to business? Now, this is going to come across as sounding quite sinister, actually, but my husband always used to say, trust no one. Okay. Okay. Um, now, he had his own business. Um, he was a car engineer, and then eventually he sold his business, and we went, he, you know, he became, he became, in his eyes, head of catering. Anybody said to him at this dance studio, well, what do you do? I'm head of catering, which basically meant he made a cup of tea for anybody that came in and said hello to him. He's a very social guy and he would always, everybody was welcome in Roger's eyes. But he used to say, trust no one. Now you could look at that and think, oh, that's a bit sinister. But what he meant was, you know, you've got people that will, oh, we can, we can do, we can do this, that, that. You've just got to go be careful. and. And less is best sometimes when you start getting into sort of complicated situations. And I've worn in the past, a long while ago, I've worn those T-shirts as well. Um, the best advice I had from a solicitor was don't reply back with a lot. Just mm-hmm. say a little. Because the more you reply back or the more you say, the more whoever it is that's coming back at you is going to go, well, she said, or that was written. And if nothing is said and nothing is written, they have nothing to go on. So nothing festers. Yeah, that's great advice. And so sometimes, you know, and we're all, it's all natural instinct. And don't get me wrong, it might might seem as if I I get lots of complaints. I don't get any, well, I get a few complaints sometimes. It's it's only natural. (laughs) Uh, And as an examiner, you know, some, some teachers don't always agree with what you've done. Some parents don't agree. So therefore they say to the teacher, my child should have got this, that, and therefore, you know, there's all those sort of things. And obviously, while I was um, chair of the ISTD, then, you know, those sort of things come through. But the natural instinct is to go back on the defensive. But you need to look at what's being said, pull it out and look at it. And sometimes you'll find that whatever's being said, there is some personal problems in there as well. So read between the lines and go, actually, the main gripe isn't this. The main gripe is because they've perhaps had a bad day. Um, and that was the straw that broke the donkey's back. Sleep on it or in the best possible way, stay up all night <laughs> thinking about it because that's what we will do. Because we all think it's it's against us then. Whatever's been said, we think it's it's being it's a big dig. And it's possibly not. When you kind of dissect it and pull out the bits, you go, oh, actually, so well, what's the problem? So the less said, the easier it's solved. Yeah, the less chance you've got to make a mistake or say something you wish you hadn't. If you start going back with something, they'll come back even further, and they, you dig, you both dig yourselves a big, the bigger hole, the biggest hole out. So that the least said, yes, you have to solve the problem, but you don't have to solve the problem by creating another problem. Solve the problem, and if it means okay, let's come to my office or let's sit down and have a coffee and let's sort out what the problem is um, and then let them talk to you. Let them tell you what the problem is and then you listen and then you can go, oh, so what I'm hearing is, um, and I have to say that's not me that, obviously I, I listen so much to Rosina as well because Rosina is incredible with what she's learned and what she's done. 
And, you know, we're all learning from each other. But I've been lucky enough to go out to America with her and do teachers conferences out there. And they are amazing. Some of the conferences wow. that are there. you can open your eyes to all sorts of things. They don't just have a dance conference. They'll have a conference on how to run your business. They'll have a conference on how to deal with parents. They'll have another. Um, and you can learn so much. And this was something that came up and they said, so you listen to what the person is saying to you and then go, well, so am I hearing it like that? Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that. Well, what are you saying? And in the end, you probably find there's nothing being said anyway. So, you, you know, you and, and you could have spent a whole week trying to go backwards and forwards with emails that's got worse and worse and worse. And then at the end of the day, that parent will probably walk away from you. Whereas yeah. if you talk it out, the parent will go totally understand now or you you've got to be very translucent you can't you can't expect for instance let's say a, a showcase can't expect parents to know exactly what's happening if you haven't put your rules down so if somebody does something slightly wrong it's no good turning around and saying to them well you didn't do that because that parent's going to go well i didn't know absolutely you've got to have a, a list of rules it might sound you know strange have the list of rules explain to the parents when you've got new children never done a show before say to them right, we're going to have a meeting Let's have the let's have you all in, or let's you know let's write it down as an email. Let's have a Zoom call because now we can all do those things, yes. <laughs> which, you know, which we couldn't do before. So have a Zoom call. Who's got questions? Who doesn't understand what? Because unfortunately, what happens is a parent that doesn't necessarily understand will ask another parent. Well, we don't know whether that other parent understands fully as well. They might do. They might not. And therefore, your Chinese whisper gets worse and worse and worse. And then by the time the, the, the original question has come back to you, the parent will have said, well, so-and-so and so-and-so have said so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, really? You know, and you, you don't do it. Give them everything they need first. Put your rules out. Put it, I mean, we've all got websites. Put it on a website. You know, it can be coded so not everybody can see it, but put it down. It's got to be transparent. You know, because we all know, we, we've all done it. You know, I, I think I get things through sometimes and I'm just trying to sort something out. Yes, and I thought, I haven't got a clue what I'm supposed to be doing here. So in the end, I had to ring them and say, excuse me, but what am I supposed to be doing? Mm. And they explained it. The problem was solved. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's absolutely great advice. It, it's actually something we were talking about uh, on the podcast recently about communication. So I think what you've said is reiterated because... Uh, when you're first starting out, sometimes you can be a bit um, shy of, you know, communication and a little bit, you know, um, maybe maybe not confident in yourself enough to just be really like punchy with what exactly you want from people. And actually, yes. you need to be. You need to have the confidence. This is exactly what I want, and this is what I need you to do. And, and actually, in the long run, people will be grateful for that. Absolutely, and they're far because they feel more secure as well. Um, and let's face it, you know. You don't, as a young teacher, take to start, or it well, doesn't necessarily have to be a young teacher, it could be any, any age of the teacher, starting up with a dance school. If you've got X amount of students and you've got X amount of money coming in and X amount of money going out, you've got to balance your books because at the end of the day, whilst you're not going to be making thousands of pounds, you also don't want to be losing thousands of pounds. But if you've only got X amount of students, you don't want to lose those students. So when a parent says, I want my child to do this, this and this, your natural instinct as a young naive, I think probably is the word, teacher, is to go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll put her in for her exam. Mm. But at the end of the day, if you put her in for her exam and you're, you're looking at it going, she's not ready, she's not ready, she shouldn't be doing this exam, what are you going to end up achieving? Nothing, because the child's probably not going to get the mark that the mother expects. Therefore, the child's going to leave anyway. So be be positive enough to be able to explain to the mother why that you're doing is what you think is right. If they still don't like it, well, then you're back to the square one again. But more often than not, they will understand. No mother or father or whoever wants a child to go into something that they're not going to succeed in. No. Not in this stage. No, they shouldn't. And they shouldn't have to as well. There should Nobody should be... Um, no child should be put in for to do anything that actually is going to do a detriment. It'd be detrimental to them. Yeah. Because absolutely. we need to build on and, and coming out of this um, pandemic, we we possibly are going to be the people that are going to help rebuild confidence because children are not going to want to look at us. They're not going to want to touch anybody. They're not going to want to be able to uh, talk to each other. Mm. We're going to have to help with that. We're going to have to bring that out of them. So it's going to be a huge responsibility, but what a challenge. Yeah, 
And what a reward at the end of it, it you know, if they can come out of this, because there will be, and it's going to be a long-term thing. They're going to go flashbacking to all sorts of things. We, you know, we've all seen the children that are losing confidence, rapidly losing confidence, and parents that are saying, oh, well, they don't want to come in today because, and you think, come on, let's come in. I mean, yesterday we had a little... Uh, our, our babies and our little ones had a, a princess and prince party. Oh, amazing. We all came into class and they were all told to dress up and then um, Elsa arrived. And the excitement on their faces was just pure joy. But it was something that they needed. They didn't need to come into class and stand there and turn the feet out again. You know, we can do that next week or the week after. Let's have a break. Let's have them in. And that's what they did. And, you know, it's just... It's getting confidence back. And we've got to find, as dance teachers, a way of doing that. And I think that's, you know, just listening to you talk here, some of those people in our group at the moment who are about to open for the first time and are talking about, mm-hmm. you know, their advertising and how they can stand out, you know, I think this is a really good point. You know, this is something they can definitely talk about in their advertising, you know, how they can help parents to rebuild that confidence that they may have lost over the last 12 months. I think, you know, that might be something who anyone's listening, you know, to, to really put that out there because parents love that, you know, that's exactly what everyone needs right now. And and not only that is it's, that's the mental side of it, but the physical side as well, because children will have lost stamina. You know, they're not, yes. Okay. They're going for a walk or, but, but they won't have that, um, their stamina, their actual staying power is not going to be there. I mean, you know, I, I've got a, a gummy knee and a gummy toe. And quite honestly, during lockdown, it's got worse because I've not been able to do what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, you are teaching, but you're teaching on Zoom. And, and, you know, a lot of the children are dancing, well, most of them, if not all of them, are dancing on concrete floors. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to work. Wow. Um, but even physically, you know, they're not going <laughs> to... What we've got to be aware of is they're not going to want to come back and learn the technique of everything immediately because actually we've got to build up their physical strength Absolutely. because otherwise you know we you know um we've got a roadmap out of this pandemic but as dance teachers we almost need our own roadmaps yes because we need a roadmap on how we're going to do it because firstly and foremostly let's let's financially are parents going to want to start paying for exams Wow. Now I'm a dance examiner. Um, you know, and I, I'd like some, ex- I'd like some examining to do. But at the best will in the world, in order to do a dance exam, you've got to have coaching classes. You've got to have a new uniform. You've got to have this. You, that's a lot of expense. Let's get them in. Let's get them in joints and dance. Let's get them talking and looking at us. Mm, absolutely. And again, these are all things that our um our listeners can put into their you know, when, they, when they're trying to sell their, their school and their classes, you know, share their road their roadmap as it is as to what they're going to yeah. be offering to, you know, and very specific to this time. Not just your generic, come and have a dance class, we'll have fun. It's, it's actually going to yes. be specific at this time and you can use that to your advantage. Exactly, because come and have a dance class, we'll have fun isn't going to sell your dance class because a parent can turn around and go, well, they can have fun at the park. Yeah. But, you know, they they might not have, and let's face it, they might not have the coordination now to be able to go and do things in the park. So we need to be able to build their coordination. Wow. I mean, even before lockdown, I noticed when I started teaching, well, let's put it this way. When I started teaching, um, the the little ones had far more coordination than what they did in latter years. Because when I was a little girl, I walked to school, I skipped to the park, I did things, I climbed a la- I climbed a, a slide, probably right or wrongly the wrong way. I learned how to do things. I learned if I fell over, it hurt. But children don't do those sort of things now because they, you know, they, there's a busy life, they get in the car, they go. So the coordinational powers have dropped. Their focus has dropped. Lots of things. But as dance teachers, you can get that back and you can build on it and you can create. Then they're far more, far more better when they go into dance school and they go into their ordinary schools and everything else. It's, it's, yeah. it's not just, oh, well, we're going to do dance now and then we're going to do this. Dance relates to so many different things. Um, it Well, it relates to way of life, basically, doesn't it? Absolutely. Life skills that they'll take with them forever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, listen, I'm going to ask you, if you could go back in time uh, to when... <laughs> 
first opened. I'm interested to know what advice you would have given to yourself. What one piece of advice would you have given to yourself then? I think what I've done and how I've done it has probably been, and this is going to sound patronising, I suppose, um, a learning curve. Mm. And if I hadn't have made mistakes, then I wouldn't have learned. Because if you don't make a mistake, you're never going to learn. You know, so I, I don't think there would be anything that I would perhaps go, you should have done this. Because if I just should have done that, would I have still got to where I am now? I don't know. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it's useless, isn't it? Because in hindsight, you know, too late. <laughs> we can't turn back the clock. Um, we can't go back and redo it. We only, we only, you know, to be, you know, we only pass this way once, don't we? Um, and what we do is what we do. I mean, I had, I, you know, I had a great time at dance college. I thoroughly enjoyed my years at dance college. Um, I could go back and do them again. I mean, you know, I'd have to have a new body, but I could go back and do them again. Um, I absolutely adored dancing in the business, loved being in the business, um, but I'd, had had done enough, and I don't mean this in a, an elitist way, I hadn't done enough because you can learn and learn and learn, but that chapter of being in the business closed um, and I wanted to take it on. And I'd always enjoyed um, helping teaching and also as I say, choreographing. I'd always choreographed. I'd been encouraged to choreograph at Bush. I'd been encouraged to teach at Bush. But I, when I went to Bush Davis, it wasn't, oh, you must be a teacher. You must do this. You must do this. You must do this. I never actually went through that. I just went as a dancer. Um, I was going to dance. So I never thought about anything else. And then having danced, I thought, ah, I will teach. So it was something that, it was a natural progression, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there was, there's nothing really that I would have turned around and said, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't had that happen. And I think I agree with you for, for me too in the, in the sense that you're right. If you don't make the mistakes along the way, then, you know, how will you learn and grow and become, you know, the school that you really want to be? You've got to make those mistakes, haven't you? What about advice to our new school owners? So, you know, they've just opened or they're in their first two years of business, which is what our, our school owners are. Um, we've, we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but when it comes to communicating with, with parents, students, clients, what would be your one bit of advice um, to give to those school owners? Stand by your procedures. So have them very crystal clear, put your procedures into place, make sure that what you're putting into place and what you're saying is correct. So do your homework, you know, don't say blah, 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 blah. And then actually somebody will turn around and say, well, I'm a qualified so-and-so. And actually you're wrong there. I mean, I have to say years and years ago, I had um, a guy stand in the studio and he said to me, your fire extinguisher is out of date. And I, I looked and I thought, help. Basically, it wasn't out of date, but then de de delving into it a little bit more, he wanted to sell me some new ones. <laughs> oh, okay. It made me sort of go, whoa, hang on, that's something that isn't on my radar to go, are my fire extinguishers all in date? You know, are my procedures all in date? Because you must have, you must be crystal clear and you must know your rights and your wrongs. You must, and you must have all your licenses in place as well, because, you, you know, it's too easy to be sued these days. Absolutely. I think what you're saying is don't cut corners, isn't it? No, don't do it. And and if you you know, and if you if you don't know about it, find somebody that does, ask them. Um, and don't let the parents dictate to you what they're going to do. You're the principal, you're the dance teacher, know your rights. Yeah, I couldn't and, agree more. And, and one thing that I would say, and I know it's easier said than done, but if at all possible. Be your own boss. If you want to open a dancing school, be the person that runs it. Try not to get involved in a business partnership. It's hard because, you know, sometimes a business partner will say, well, I can do this and you can do that. Yes, you can. But at the end of the day, something somewhere has to. And if you're your own boss, if it goes wrong, you're the person that takes responsibility. And you have to take that on. So it goes back to that responsibility again. And it, and it is a lot of pressure, isn't it? But yes. you know, you've yeah. got to be prepared for that. If you're prepared for it, you can be prepared for anything. Yes, yeah.
Yeah, and again, you know, it, it, it whatever you take on is a it's responsibility, isn't it? Whatever you take on in life, you know, if you, if you take on a mortgage, it's responsibility to to pay it. If you if you take on you, you take on family, it's your responsibility to look after them. Um, and and it, it is the responsibility. You have to be the person that goes, okay, I'm responsible for this. It's gone pear shaped. Therefore, I will sort it out. I will get it right. Or I'm responsible for this. Isn't it wonderful? It's all happened. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And and we're sort of coming towards our last couple of questions here. Now I could talk to you forever. I think it's great. How how do you avoid burnout and and sort of ensure a good work life balance? Because as dance teachers, let alone dance school principals, you know we know that our life is taken over by exams, shows, extra stuff, competitions. It just the list goes on. But then when you become a principal, you know that just somehow seems to triple. How do you make sure you get a good balance? I think that you have to understand that there's life outside your dancing school. Yes, I'm, you know, earlier on, you know, somebody's perhaps listening saying, yeah, but she's just said it's 24-7. It is 24-7, but it's 24-7. And, you know, I can be at the garden, sorting my garden out, mowing my lawn. But while I'm mowing my lawn, I can be choreographing in my head, can't I? But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, at the moment I'm painting my landing. So while I'm painting my landing, I'm thinking, OK, so that needs to need to be sorted. And I'm and think, but I don't think I've ever sort of thought about burnout. I, I suppose I've always run on adrenaline. But I think you have to be able to eat properly. Yes. I think you have to have a life that you can switch off. Um, even if it's only perhaps one day a week or one afternoon a week or, or like sometimes I can sit here all morning doing emails and things and then I think, right, put the lead on the dog, let's go around the fields. Yeah. Switch off. Yeah. Uh, but eating properly because just snacking and grabbing this and grabbing that, you're going to end up not being fit well, have any energy, and you've got to be the person, as I said earlier on, you've got to be the person that's, always readily available you know oh don't feel very well today so i'm not going to take classes or oh i'm really sorry but i can't do because i've got a headache you've got to get on with it um so i think it's but i also think as well close the school for holiday periods because we need a break as teachers actually students need a break from you as well we've all done it you 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 go i mean i i teach a lot of ballet now um non-syllabus ballet but you get to the point where the student actually almost knows what you're going to do next because they're on your so much on your wavelength if you taught them for 12 years then they are going to be completely on your wavelength so you they need a break so shut your school parents also need a break as well and then even if it's like half term so shut for half term no classes this week you might do one workshop and then have somebody else in. But close because everybody needs a break. Then you can come back fresh. Yeah, absolutely. You need that opportunity to recharge, refresh. And, you know, you, you're more susceptible to a creative block if you just keep running the rat race day in, day out. Exactly. And then you're going to get to the point where, oh, gosh, it's half term, but, oh, I've got to go and take classes. So then you get back to that situation where I said, if I want to go to, if I don't want to go to the studio, then I shouldn't be going to the studio. So therefore, the studio should—it's it, the wrong—it's the wrong situation. We all need holidays, um, and I know the kids have all been off school for nearly twelve months. But you know, there's talk about them having to do summer schools and uh, work during the holidays. They need a break. They need to be able to get out. They need to be able to live. They need to learn how to live again, basically, and laugh, run about. Um, they need to do these things. Yes, I know that they're, they're schooling, but actually they've done a lot of schooling. They've been schooled all day. They've probably done more than they usually do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Myra, I'm going to come to my last question uh, with you today. I've, it's just been so lovely talking to you. I could talk to you all day about this. Um, and this is a really good one, I think, to finish with. Um, we've covered a lot, but but what do you ultimately feel makes a good dance school principal? Respecting your faculty, respect what they do. Um, know your students physically and mentally so that you, you are ready for the one that comes in with a strop. <laughs> you can sort that one out without destroying it even further. Um, 
keep your finger on the pulse be there be ready i mean i don't teach a lot now i can if i want to i can jump in and teach but i like to float in and out of the building i'll always be around and i will float in and out of classes now i won't float in and out if there's a, a new teacher in or there's a teacher that's doing so i would never walk in sit in the class and take over so correct either the child or the teacher in front of either write a few notes down and then perhaps say to the teacher afterwards did you realize that normally the teachers will go that didn't work did it and i'll go well no it didn't you know because everybody's learning and we're all learning from each other and plus the fact if i pop into a class and i sit and watch somebody i can think oh gosh that's a good idea never thought yeah. I find that when I examine DDEs, often a DDE will give me some some answer and I think, what a good idea. And I will often say to them, I'm going to go back and try that now. Um, because you, you need to keep your finger on the pulse. Um, don't, don't demand or give orders, but keep the discipline as you need it. So, you know, like we've got three studios and, and sometimes we need to swap studios, but I would never, I would never, um, say to the teacher that's upstairs oh do you, uh, i'm right you're going downstairs today i'm going upstairs i would always say to her beforehand is it all right if we swap today or do you mind if and sometimes when i go home a little bit early i'll always say i'm going home is there anything you need me to do yeah i'm the principal do i need to say that yes i do because i respect my staff they will respect me as well you also then get the respect from the parents and you need a respect from your students so it's got to be equal. You can't expect your students to respect everything you do if you don't respect them back. And I think respect equals trust as well, doesn't it? That respect equals trust. Yeah. And, and respect and the trust and the discipline, it sets out the boundaries and everybody knows where they stand. Absolutely. Well, Myra, I think that is a brilliant place to conclude today's um, episode. I think there's been some absolute gold in there. Um, I'm, I'll speak on behalf of everyone to thank you for your time today um, and for sharing this knowledge. I mean, it's just lovely listening to you and your stories. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 14 years into having my own school and I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm almost sitting here writing things down, you know, because we never stop learning. And, and it's so nice to hear the conversations that, you, you know, you've had with your parents or your students and everyone will listen in and relate because you know it doesn't matter what stage of your career you're at we've all we've all been there with a parent or a student yes yeah it's natural but i think like you're saying and going forward i she probably won't like me for saying this but i want to thank rosina because she has in the last years um I mean, obviously I'm getting older now and I'm not quite so in touch with things that there are out there. While I was younger, I was in touch, I was there. But she has brought in the fresh, inspiring ideas and you have to be open to those. It's no good going, right, this is what I've done. I've done it for 24 years and I'm gonna stick to it. She comes in and she goes, I'm gonna do this, this, this and this. I think it's current, we need to do. And that is what's brought the school into the next generation the next era the next century whatever you like to call it she's put the, the students the opportunities there she's so innovative and aware of what's going on and i'm not now so you know young teachers will be but when you get to the point where you think actually i don't know what's going i don't know should they do that shouldn't they do that she's there and i'm really lucky that she is there and obviously she's got sam as well and they're all busy doing things and bringing things in she is my artistic director in the school and she really is artistic in that respect. I agree. I mean, I just, in case there's anyone listening or anyone left in the UK who doesn't know who Rosina is, Rosina Andrews, um, author of Pirouette Surgery and Leap Surgery. Um, I mean, what she hasn't done over the last couple of years workshops masterclasses she's got her own remote syllabus that you can log into she's got books she's you know it's all going on and uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to have a masterclass or workshop with Rosina I, I fully recommend it we uh, pay to be a um, what do you call it a pirouette surgery school and we implement it in our classes and um, and I think you know it's it's but what you must remember Myra is that 
it, you're her mum and uh, you know you've got to take a bit of responsibility for how wonderful she is and that a lot of that's going to come from you. <laughs> I mean yeah I suppose it's 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 through the family she's she's grown up in a dancing world um, she was never forced into dancing and as a little girl when people used to say to her oh, you're going to go to dancing no I'm not no I'm not she you know that wasn't that wasn't her first and foremost and then she got to the age where she started inquiring about what age do you go to dancing etc but she was never a child that I pushed into anything what you've seen Rosina do is what Rosina's done for herself um, she might ask for some advice and I usually ask her now for advice but it's it's her it's all her um but yeah i mean my dad was a dancer as well he was a ballroom dancer so maybe it's in our genes it probably is um but it's passion and you can't you can't kill passion you can't bottle it if i've all oh, gosh if we could bottle it wouldn't we be wealthy <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. something not bottle and, and it, actually you can't teach passion either but when you get a kid that's passionate as well wow you've hit on it you've got you've got your struck gold you've won the lottery <laughs> oh Myra thank you thank you ever so much for your time today and thank you I thoroughly enjoyed chatting and if anybody wants any questions or anything I'm more than happy to try and help thank you very much indeed and take care and have a good week or rest of the left of the week and back into classes when you can in your studio